0: This edition contains references to subjects which might cause distress or be upsetting, so listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to God in the Ordinary, a podcast featuring special guests talking about how they reveal God during the ordinary rhythm of their daily life. Presented by author and speaker Sharon Tedford.
0: My guest today met Jesus when he was homeless and desperate. God turned his life around and now he meets the needs of those sometimes missed by society. This is a true story of restoration and renewal. My guest, Church on the Street Lead Pastor Mick Fleming. Mr. Mick Fleming, what a joy to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us here on God in the Ordinary. Would you please tell our listeners where you're coming from today?
1: Well, yeah, I'm in uh, in Burnley in the UK and I'm sat in my office and uh, I've got a great dream in my heart waiting to hear the Very difficult questions you're going to ask me. (laughs) uh.
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully we're going to have a wonderful conversation. I'm so pleased that our listeners get to hear your story today. So for those of you who don't know where Burnley is, it's northwest in England. So Mick, in your office today, there must be people around you. It sounds like um, a bustling place to be. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it is. They're trying to keep it down, but uh, (laughs) it's in the church and it's probably outside of the office that you can hear the bustle. But yeah, it's good. It's nice, it's a nice place, yeah.
0: It's great to be in the middle of ordinary, that's what we talk about here, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure,
0: (laughs) for sure, yeah. Mick, we ask all of our guests here on God in the Ordinary to share their reflection on Isaiah 61, and I know that you've prepared one for us. Would you please share that with us?
1: Yeah, of course, that'd be an absolute pleasure. This scripture speaks the love and justice of God for his people, his plan of redemption for his beloved, Through his chosen and anointed son, Jesus, the good news is proclaimed. A turning to God through Christ sets the captives free, that's us, but much more. We participate with God through Christ to do the same. We become the hands and feet of Jesus. Feed the poor, comfort the lost and broken, bring hope to all. I think this scripture defines an authentic church The good news is for a broken world as well as a broken people, the kingdom of God is realized. Separation from sin through faith leads to real love and real love leads to real action. My personal story of redemption is manifest in this scripture. As I look deep within, I receive the ability to look outward, to a love so beautiful I must respond. The scripture of course is prophetic Pointing to Christ, and he himself acknowledges this in Luke 4 18. If we accept Christ and truly repent, then we become participants with Christ in kingdom business. I have received the good news, so must tell others. As I reflect on my own life, a life of abuse, a life of addiction, a life trapped in the pain of resentment and unforgiveness, a life that lashed out at the world, I can see my need was great. I was the poor, I was the blind. I was the broken-hearted. I was in a prison of darkness, but he has released me by His spirit to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken-hearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from that darkness the love of God knows no limits, and is' endless. Good news indeed.
0: Thank you. That was really great. Tell us about your ministry, the ministry you run and what led you to set it up?
1: Wow. so the ministry is called Church on the Street Ministries and uh, it started on the street and for me there was something missing. So i had gone to many different churches and different places and my own personal experience because I'm a background of addiction was that I find a closeness to God outside on the street with broken people than I did inside a church when I was still using drugs and drinking so the ministry's sort of born out out of that yeah. i don't think you can separate the spiritual stuff from the physical stuff so i set out with an intent uh just didn't expect it to sort of explode like it did so it was i don't know gosh three years ago there was me with a suitcase with a few of my old clothes in it a packet of cigarettes and a flask and some sandwiches and i sat down outside a mcdonald's and uh, that's it that literally what happened you know and, it, and it's, it's sort of the ministry sort of exploded really so it's not just took off other christians like to see the type of theology that we do so what we say we do and i think that's appealing for christians and then for non-christians the fact that we do good things makes them ask questions and then we give them the answers and that they come in you know they become part of so it's it naturally evangelizes as well
0: That sounds great. We talk about that often here, that living a lifestyle that encourages people to ask questions of us leads us to be able to share the gospel. So that's a perfect example of that. So some people are going to be surprised that you had cigarettes in your suitcase. Why on earth are you giving out cigarettes, Uh, Mick?
1: And so in my office now also, which is probably more uh, I want people to storm me, would be there's alcohol as well. I don't drink myself. But I also give alcohol out sometimes. So what it is with the cigarettes is the people, they pick cigarettes up off the floor and they're getting diseases and they're going to smoke anyway. So I'd have cigarettes, a packet of cigarettes, and I engage people in conversation whilst I'm doing it. The alcohol is, I've had people die in my arms because they have fitted. Because if you're an alcoholic and you don't get a drink, you can have a fit, a seizure, and you can die and it's happened. It's happened to me, uh, you know, and and I used to fit myself. So I'm trying to keep people alive long enough and treat them in such a way that they're going to hear the message, uh, the gospel message. You know, I I believe I have got good news for the poor and I'm going to engage them where they're at. And the proof of the pudding's in what's happening. The gospel's breaking free and people are accepting it. And then they stop smoking and they stop drinking and they stop cheating and they start to live a new life because they're redeemed and they're set free so that's kind of how it's worked for me so I'm not intentionally going out sticking cigarettes in people's hands (laughs) and things you know I'm looking for the opportunities where people are picking cigarettes up off the floor and rolling them you know sometimes we knew a guy that uh sort of picked a cigarette up off the floor uh rolled and smoked it and it was drugs I don't know if you know this drug it's called spice I don't know if you've heard of it it's a synthetic drug that's manufactured and uh he was really, really poorly. He could have died, you know. And he didn't know. He didn't know what he was doing. It's not that I'm promoting sin. I'm saying what I'm saying is I'm, I want to help you to stay alive long enough so you can hear the the message that we've got, and it's working. That's the that's the beauty of it. If it didn't work, I'd stop doing it. You know, it's it's as simple as that. So it is a bit radical, you know. It's sort of meeting people where they're at. I mean, I don't drink. I don't sit down with people and, and have a drink. because I don't drink. You know, but like I say, I know that uh, people die if they don't get one. And uh, I've had many strange experiences over the years where I've had people ring me up from uh, certain churches and they say, Mick, this gentleman's going out in the spirit. Would you like to come and pray with him? And it's happened a few times and I've got there and he isn't going out in the spirit. He's actually having a seizure from alcohol withdrawal and he's about to die. So, I've run across the road, and this is not just once. So, there's a misunderstanding of addiction, a misunderstanding of the drug, a misunderstanding of alcohol, and I'm trying to address the balance whilst giving Christ into each and every circumstance. And it's more effective, it's more loving. I'm called to love, you know, not to preach above. I'm called to love people where they're at.
0: Thanks for sharing that story. I think that's really important because we often come across the thought that people should be clean from drugs and have a clearer mindset before we let them into our church buildings or even before we speak to them or share with them. And that's absolutely not the truth. And obviously, as women, we need to be particularly careful. And you probably need to be careful at times too. But you're saying meet them where they are. And clearly the results you get from that are great. How did you learn to meet people where they are? What was the stepping into that for you?
1: Well, it was my own personal experience. So I was street homeless. It was the first night I was rough sleeping. And I went into this church because I didn't know where to go or what to do. And uh, they were really nice people. And they made me a cup of tea and they gave me a sandwich. And it was winter. It was really cold. And it was time for me to go. And, you know, I could see they wanted me to go. And it's not their fault. So I had to leave. And I was like, I had no coat or freezing. And I found uh, there was a guy who was rough sleeping in there just next to this shop doorway and he waved me over and he said, where are you sleeping? I said, I don't know. I said, come here. And he sat down next to me. <sighs>
0: yeah, an emotional memory.
1: Yeah, and he, and he wrapped his quilt around me and then he took his hat off, put it on my head and I was very poorly. It was, so we call it in the UK, rattling, which just means that if I don't get a drink, i like I just described, I might have a fit, I might die. And he poured gently The drink into my mouth till the shakes stop and then he he put a cigarette in my mouth and he lit it and uh, I met Jesus in the doorway I didn't find him in the church they didn't know how to meet me where I was but he did you know he did
0: that is powerful that is so powerful I met Jesus in the doorway not in the church thank you for sharing that Mick that's really wow yeah Could you tell us a bit about Church on the Streets hub as well, because you'd go out into the streets, obviously, where you meet people. What goes on inside? I think your acronym is COTS, C-O-T-S. So what goes on inside a COTS hub?
1: So we have showers in here. We have hot food every day. We have a food bank. Uh, We have a clothes bank. We have uh, a medical facility. We have uh, our own counsellors for mental health. We have... uh, outside organizations coming in so we have drug and alcohol services they're coming and work out of our building we have uh, the princess trust which is an organization that helps people between 16 and 30 they come in we have rehabs that come in this is weekly you know Uh, i can go on and on and on and on and on and what happens is uh, we have the nhs so the healthcare system in the uk they come in and what happens is right down the center of it all, we give Christ. So it's it's bizarre. If you could imagine if monasteries were invented tomorrow, that's what Church on the Street looks like. In respect to people send us donations, we don't ask for anything. We also care for the sick the lost, the mentally ill. Uh, We have things where we help people with education and and lots of other things. But right through the centre is Jesus. So the the health professionals and the professionals come in, but we don't compromise our faith. So our outcomes, or their outcomes, sorry, are going through the roof because we wrap Christ around what they're doing and we don't make any excuse. And because uh, they're not paying us to come in, they're in our space. They accept that we're going to sit down and pray with people we're going to do the things we mentally ill people we're going to ask Jesus to you know to support them and lift them up as well as whatever else is going on we're going to pray for healing for the sick and all the other stuff that we that we do because we're doing that the organizations are absolutely loving it because Jesus is raising their outcomes you know their outcomes are a lot better it's a strange thing I haven't seen this or heard of it anywhere else in the world like this on, on these terms so the professionals are starting to come to know Jesus, as well as the people that are coming in for support. So there's an equality that kicks in. So anybody that walks into this building doesn't pay for anything. And that doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire or you've got nothing. It matters not. So the one who has more money can buy the millionaire a drink and a sandwich and sit down together equally. What we try to do is to maintain that. So everything's free for everybody that comes in. And that helps us to meet people where they're at. So it takes a gender out of the way. It brings an equality like no other. Yeah. That,
0: isn't that the gospel, Mick? It is.
1: It really is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right there. That is beautiful.
1: But in action, but in so action, real. In, in the reflection of how we do it.
0: It really is the equality. You just said everything's free for everyone who comes in. And that's the same for everyone who comes into the kingdom. Obviously, Jesus paid a great price, but for us, it's free. Yeah, that's a really good thing to think about. So you've talked here about physical poverty. There's also spiritual poverty. Which one do you think should be tackled first? Because it sounds like you're landing on physical poverty. Is that what you always do?
1: I think William Booth said, uh it's no good preaching to a man on an empty stomach so if somebody comes in starving i'm going to show him jesus i have to show them jesus i have to show them that he's real so like in the reflection you know i've been given the ability to feed the poor so that's where it'll start it'll start wherever the need is there's people that come in and they feel they're demonically oppressed so it'll start with prayer You know, there's people that come in. They've got DVTs in the legs, and the the flesh on the legs is rotting away, and they're infected. And you take the bandages off, and all the skin falls off the legs. So we'll start with bandaging the legs. You know, and there's people that come in who are hungry, and we'll start with feeding them. But everything we do is gospel-based. So the spiritual and the physical, we don't separate. So we'll pray with somebody whilst the legs are being cleaned, or whilst they're being fed, or whatever it is and we'll tell them about Jesus, but sometimes we'll use words, sometimes we'll use actions, and sometimes we'll combine the two, you know, because the gospel's alive. It's a living thing. It's power. And that's not my power or anybody else's power. It's the power of God. So if people don't see it, they're never going to hear it either. It'll have no effect. So they need to see it and hear it. And, and what's the consequences of the, of the gospel is people get saved, you know, and, and that's what we're interested in. So all the stuff we do, you know, from the food parcels to the medical stuff is, I'm not really interested in the food parcels. I'm interested in salvation. But the food parcels are a way to feed people so they can get salvation. And sometimes that's quickly, instantly. And sometimes that's very slowly. And sometimes it never comes. But we do it anyway, because that's what we're called to do.
0: That's so important. I know sometimes, Mick, people come to you in absolute dire straits, but sometimes people come to you saying they believe they have no future, they see no way out, they're in a moment of crisis. In that moment, how do you reveal God to them?
1: I always ask them if I can pray, whether they believe in God or not. And sometimes they'll say, well, I don't really believe in God. And I say, but I do. Will you let me pray for you? Because I believe in God and I've never been refused. So in that, so we bring comfort and love and the gift of prayer speaking to God or speaking on their behalf. So sometimes they just say, can I speak to God on your behalf then? You know, would you align me? And uh, we see things. I'm seeing the things I never used to believe in, even as a Christian, you know. I, and I think I didn't believe them because I'd never seen them. But I, I see them now. I've been, you know, God's given me the the gift of being able to see some of the wonderful things that he does. And uh, and it it's, it's amazing. You know, we see tangible miracles which are kind of almost other people's testimonies. I don't want to kind of steal other people's testimonies from them, you know, and, and claim them as my own. But I'm seeing things that I didn't think God still did, but now one way he does. You know, so my theology's changed over the last five or six years for sure, because I see it daily.
0: That's funny how our theology shifts according to the experiences that God plops in our laps, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, because I can't explain it any other way. <laughs>
0: You're listening to God in the Ordinary, recently ranked number 11 in the top 100 Christian podcasts on feedspot.com with today's guest, Pastor Mick Fleming. So we can hear that you're in the middle of a bustling, lively place. Who are the people who are serving alongside you in this ministry? Where have they come from?
1: Well, a lot of them have come from... uh lifetimes of addiction uh, some have gone through deliverance and I say that deliverance in respect of I don't know, I've, all I did was pray for them they had a funny experience and they were they were sick and really confused and then they came back and they just wanted to praise Jesus and they've done it for the last 5 6 years uh, so some people have gone through that and they work for us now Uh, Some people came to steal the coffee out of the food parcels and ended up getting recovery and finding Jesus. Uh, And some people are are professionals. They're Christian and they've been given a job and they haven't had the lived experience that I I have. Uh, I think you have to have a blend. Uh, I mean, you don't have to be dead to be an undertaker. (laughs) I don't want to create a church that's a reflection of me because that's not a church, that's my ego you know, and, and if it's the gospel that's doing it, then it'll be reflected, because God will send the people to support you, to help you with different skills, so it should look authentic, and it does, you know, it's not just a church full of addicts, it's not, church, it's a church with old people, young people, children, it's, it's authentic church. it's messy and it's hard work and it's kind of problematic every day and you get loved you get absolutely hated you get despised you get all the stuff that you would expect if it's an authentic gospel preaching church and we get it and I don't like the bad stuff I'm not rejoicing in it I should be but I don't like it it kind of it's hard but I get the love out of it and I can't describe why I just do And God just fills me with this love, which just allows me to keep going, you know. But I don't like it. I don't like the bad stuff, but it's there. And joy does come from it.
0: It's hard to see that, isn't it? You clearly minister to some broken and deeply wounded people. So how do you deal with what you see and hear from day to day? It must really weigh heavily on your heart. Yet you're a really joyful man. How do you find the balance?
1: For me personally, it was understanding the gospel, which was, I just got this thing in my heart that many Christians who who are born again or feel they're born again get, and it was that uh, when I was kind of convicted by the spirit of my sin, I stopped feeling guilty, and I got this great joy that it was Jesus that died for me so I could see my sin because he didn't want me trapped in it. And this joy started bubbling up inside me, where in the past it had been, oh, it must be the enemy or an entire bad person... And that completely got taken away. And it was my sins being exposed because Jesus loves me and doesn't want me in it. So it almost starts to deflate your ego. So it stops being about you. And that is kind of the way I've been able to let go of things. Because it's not me. (laughs) and It's not me doing it. It's God. And I have this love in me that allows me to do it. But, on the other hand, I talk about everything. I don't hold anything back. Uh... I say exactly how I feel. I have people that, uh, I'll go out on the street and sit down with homeless people and tell them what's going on for me and ask them to pray with me if they believe in God. And if I'm not, they're not. I just ask them if they listen to me and I'll give them a brew. And I just unload to them because, you know, these guys are suffering and they fall closer to God than I am in their suffering. My suffering is nothing compared to theirs. So I confide in these guys and, and ladies that, are in pain and struggling. And they raise me up, you know, every single time. That's how I do it, that's how I cope anyway.
0: It sounds like you use prayer and humility beautifully hand in hand to help you to stay rejoicing and knowing the truth of who Jesus is in you and also the very British brew. For our American friends that means a cup of tea.
1: It does, yeah. Sharing a cup of tea. That
0: can be a religious experience for sure. It it
1: can and it is, yeah, if you put sugar in it as well, yeah.
0: bringing people to Jesus that way. Mick, there's a lot of things that are working well for you on the street and in the hubs. How can I replicate that where I live? How can our listeners replicate what you're doing wherever they work or live or do? How can we replicate what you're doing to help us reveal God to those around us?
1: It's a difficult question, I think, for me to answer. I've just wrote a book and it's called uh, Blown Away. And I've wrote it because it's about how it happened. For me, if you understand and and grasp this gospel that transforms you, and you go out and you tell people about it, what happens is the community is built around that. So it's not built around you, it's built around the gospel. So when I look like kind of in the Bible and I look throughout history and I've studied theology and things, they go out into the desert and people come around them and it's like, oh, blimey, what's that about? I won't go out into desert. And what happens is if you go out where the injustice is and stand in that gap there, you're being Jesus as a Christian in that gap. So I don't sort of look at what's popular. I don't look at what everybody else is doing. I look at where the injustice is and then I stand in that gap and I speak Christ into it. So it's not using social justice for the sake of it. I'm speaking Christ into those situations. ...to bring hope and to bring good news to the poor... ...and sometimes it's not very popular... ...because what happens is... ...you end up shining a bit of a light on... ...authorities and structures... ...and they don't like you for it... ...but it's truth... ...you know, it's not arguing... ...it's not trying to put people down... ...it's speaking this truth for justice... ...but speaking Christ into it... ...so love and care and compassion... ...you know, and purity and honesty... ...into these situations... So that's kind of what I'd say to people is, is look for where the injustice is and go and speak into it and pray into it and do something with your hands into it and a community will be built around that.
0: It seriously is as easy as making a cup of tea, making a brew for someone, isn't it? That really is something so simple that we can all do. Even if you're a coffee drinker, it's okay, I forgive you. But if you're a coffee drinker, you can still make coffee for people, for the man who comes into your home to fix the air conditioning, the guy who comes to mow your lawn, or for the lady who helps you pack your bags in Tesco's. We can show kindness and hear them that's exactly how we can step into gaps right there. You know, we often say that about wherever you shop. Make sure that you chat to the lady or the man who's helping you. See them, don't just look at them because that is a gap for sure where they're unseen and unheard. We can do that, can't we, Mick?
1: Yeah, so, so mine is, so I did a little lecture. I mean, he's unbelievable. I couldn't read and write too well not so long ago and I got to lecture at Oxford University uh, and, I, and I called it Two Cup of Coffee Theology. And it's really simple. You know, many people are asking me, you know, I help homeless people and addicted people. i get them a brew, i get them a coffee, or, uh, and I feel much better. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? Or should I give people money? What do you think? And my response is, it's not right, that. It's, it's what you should be doing is buying two cups of coffee and splitting the sandwich in half and eating it together and sit down with the person. And I kind of liken it to, if I was going to meet you, and we're going to go for a coffee I wouldn't go in the coffee shop and leave you sat outside on the wall (laughs) and read a paper would I you know what I mean I'd I'd say you know come in we'd sit together and we'd drink coffee together and it's like there should be more they should have a a bigger seat and a better coffee and it it should be the opposite way around But our humanity doesn't allow us it's the love of God that allows us to do that now I understand that people are busy, and you can't just sit down with so many people struggling. You can't sit down with everybody and do it that way. But what you can do is, when you call to, you know it. When you're convicted inside and you call to do it, that's what you can do. You share yourself and what you have with the other human being, and that's how you share Christ. And all of us can do that, and you can do it safely as well. You know, we are not put ourselves at risk. We do it, and we do it safely. And it speaks.
0: What a great point. Speaking to me right now, that is a really great point. We used to do that when we lived in London is go and buy a sandwich, a really good one, <laughs> and then take the sandwich and sit with someone and we would do that with our children in a public place where it was safe. Yeah. You do need to be yeah, so careful course. about where you do it. You do. And how you do that, especially as women. Of
1: course, yeah.
0: You recently said in an article that you wrote that now is the time for bottom-up innovation, investing in those struggling at the lowest level so their communities can grow. Now, the kingdom of God can seem like an upside-down kingdom, can't it? So with that in mind, how can we all bless our communities in a God-focused way?
1: So for me, it's like nothing grows from the top down. Well, nothing else in in nature even. So we live in a trickle-down economy where the, the rich kind of pay the taxes and The hope is that it trickles down to the poor at the bottom. But what's happening is there isn't as much money at the top, so they're not pouring as much money down. So they're not watering the people at the bottom, so they'll never grow. Money and resource needs to be... And this is not a political notion of saying, like, uh, you're a conservative or a Labour voter, uh, and it should be this way. This is a notion of we should invest in the very poorest of society for them to be lifted up and it's from the bottom that things grow and as they grow they pull other people up with them and that is what we need to be doing at these times the times that we're in now where the economy's been decimated where people's mental health has been absolutely hammered it's no good Doing what we've always done and pouring billions and billions of pounds at the very top and hoping it's going to trickle down it's small organizations and small community groups that need that investment and christians should be going out and getting involved in them small community groups and bringing christ into them and, and watching the growth come from from the bottom up instead of trying to reinvent a tree it comes from the bottom water it nurture it and watch it grow
0: What a great analogy. And don't despise the day of small beginnings because a seed can be tiny, but it could grow into a massive mustard tree. That's a helpful thought for all of us. Now, Mick, I really feel like I should be getting your autograph because you know royalty, (laughs) don't you? I
1: do. Yes, I do. (laughs) Tell us
0: about that exciting experience.
1: Uh, yeah, it was as well. So what happened? So you've got to remember sort of my background is a background of crime and addiction. And the next minute I'm getting a phone call from the, uh, the people that look after the future King of England and, and his wife, the future Queen. And uh, Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge, was sat down and he saw me on TV and said to his wife, I want to go and meet with him. And that's what happened. And uh, they did and they came and, and, and they met, and it was so humbling for me, because, you know, probably, well, 12 years ago, I wouldn't have been allowed within 200 miles of him, you know, because of the person that I was, and for him to walk in and to shake my hand, and uh, to be as kind of humble and as, uh, it, it was a bit overwhelming, because it, it was impossible, but it happened, and the really nice people, what you see is exactly how they are, and uh, they've, helped and they've supported me uh beyond anything i could even say on the radio you know and i was able to pray for them uh, because i believe they are part of the future of of the uk and the christian and they allowed me to pray for them and i did and i'm not the pope and i'm not this big fancy bishop or anything i'm just this guy that used to live on the streets and take drugs and hurt people for a living. And I was allowed to pray for the future king of England. And that is, you know, God using the foolish to come find the wise. Cause that's what he does. That's what he does. Yeah.
0: More of his upside down kingdom right there. More
1: of it, yeah.
0: What yeah. a lovely gift. So if we are listening and we live in another country, or if we're listening and we happen to live in the UK, how can we partner with you in your COTS ministry? What can we do to help?
1: Well, you can have a look on our website, you can support us in one way or another. Uh, I mean, it'd be great for people to email me. I just love the conversation and the connections because you don't know what comes out of it. I mean, I get people from all over the world and I really love it because it's like, it seems impossible to me, but it's happening. And uh, to have conversations with Christians and non-Christians from across the globe is something that connects us all in Christ. So, So I would say, yeah, so there's the website, Church on the Street Ministries, it's in Burnley, so it's Cots, and also, you know, uh, my email address, Michael Fleming, so that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G, and then aim, A-I-M, at gmail.com. And I would absolutely be honoured if people just send me an email, you know, just like well-being or prayer, or, or I can contact them and pray for or with them, uh, That's what it's about. It's about the connections that God wants to make and just to be available, I think. And that's what we should all be, just be available. So I'm putting that out there. I'm available. And I do my best to get back to everybody.
0: Thank you so much. I will also put links to how to find your book, Blown Away, and we'll make sure that everybody can find you Mick, it has been really a pleasure to talk with you today. I've learned some really interesting things and you've given me a lot to think about today. We really appreciate having you here with us today on God in the Ordinary. Thank you.
1: Thank you and God bless.
0: Our guest today was Pastor Mick Fleming. You can find out more about his work at cots-ministries.co.uk. That's Cots, C-O-T-S. Why not celebrate our number 11 spot by leaving us a rating and a review? Let's help everyone to reveal God in the ordinary.
1: The producer is Gary Dell, and this is a Wise Word Radio 61 Things co-production. Go to 61-things.com to tell us how
0: you reveal God in the ordinary.